Not afraid to tell it like it is. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon till 3 on AM 900 CHML. We certainly uh, saw the love-in, which was the Three Amigos Summit in Ottawa over the last couple of days. U.S. President Barack Obama spoke in Parliament yesterday uh, at the Three Amigos Summit, uh, applauded Canada on many things, uh, although did take... uh, a point to uh, mention uh, contributions to NATO and making sure that everyone does their uh, fair share. But uh, otherwise, uh, you know, how can you not sit and want to watch this stuff? Uh, to talk more about it, Stephen Sademan is with us, Patterson Chair in International Affairs, Norman Patterson School of International Affairs, Carleton University, and is with us now. Good afternoon, Stephen. How are you today? Doing great, Scott. Thanks. Thank you very much for taking the time. Your thoughts on the whole Three Amigos Summit and just the pomp and circumstance in Ottawa in the last couple of days? Well, Ottawa put on a really good show, and it's clear that these three leaders really get along well with each other. There wasn't any kind of that personal tension that you can try to read into. Uh, President Obama and Prime Minister Joe clearly get along. We could talk about bromance or diplomacy or whatever you want to call it, but it's clear that that they look at things similarly. The, the, when one would speak and the other would then speak, it was it almost seemed as if they had the same speechwriters because they were talking about diversity and trade and uh, trying to uh, downplay or, or, or fight against the, the campaigns that Trudeau fought recently and uh, Hillary Clinton is fighting now against those who advocate for closing boundaries. Do you think uh, Barack Obama was standing there thinking, geez, I'd like to lead here. This would be fun. Um, I think he's mostly thinking about uh, he's tired, it's time to move on. Uh, I think he's had a long, long uh, seven and a half years. Um, I, I, I do think he likes being in Canada, that he likes the Canadian people. He, he understands that they like him, and and, uh, and and we treat him well when he's here. Uh, there weren't much in the way of protests, so I'm sure that he's happy to be here when he visits, but I, I, I don't think he wants to govern anymore. Uh, Canadians always seem to be, or sometimes, uh, some will say, need to be in the shadow or follow in the shadow of Americans. Uh, Talk about the pride that's involved here. When you see such a relationship going on between someone uh, uh, that's obviously as widely respected as a President Barack Obama and our Prime Minister. Well, it's, you know, the reality is is that um, we have a Prime Minister who is now widely liked as widely seen as being similar to Barack Obama in some ways, younger than the, the, the other leaders in the world, more dynamic, more energetic, more attractive, tall, all that sort of stuff. And so I don't think he, uh, Obama's handing over the baton to uh, Trudeau, but I do think that, that he is happy, and I think a lot of these folks are happy to see that, that uh, the Canadian Prime Minister is seen as, as being someone who can help uh, move things forward as, as Obama leaves the stage. How do you think this plays in the UK and the European Union when they're going through such uh, turmoil by contrast to what's happening here? It, it, does that message make it across the pond? Um, probably a little bit. I think today's adventures in the UK are probably dominating their headlines. I, I think there's probably not that much attention paid to what's going on here simply because Good news does not travel as bad as bad news, and, and Britain is just leaking bad news these days. So I'm sure they're a little envious, and they can't be as smug as they usually are about North America. Um, but I think that they're, they're the fires are closer at home, and, and that's what they're paying attention to. Uh, are you surprised that uh, Trudeau even acknowledged the bromance, or whatever he chose to call it? Oh, uh, he's pretty aware, so I'm not surprised. And 
you know they have they, their speechwriters are, are are pretty attuned to what's going on in the world and and this is something they're taking something that people tease them about and making it a plus mm-hmm. which i think is the right strategy you know these two leaders get along why is that a problem uh it's not as if uh justin Trudeau is going to sell out the story to obama because the two get along it might be that canada will have an easier way in some negotiations because the two leaders at the top are, uh, see things similarly. And voters, I think, like to see the personal side of their leaders like this. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think everybody was very pleased to see that, that, that the three of them get along, uh, particularly the big two. And uh, I think the voters were very pleased that, 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 that the summit came off well, that uh, Obama spoke well to the Canadians, that uh, he showed that he, he enjoys coming to this country. Uh, so I, I think... Uh, Canadian national pride on the eve of Canada Day is, is well-deserved. Talk about how Ottawa changed for that 24-hour period, or really 10-hour period, that he was there. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's quite different from when the Mexican president arrives as opposed to when the United States president arrives. Yes, Obama is very good at inconveniencing entire cities. So, uh, <laughs> people were staying off the highways as much as they could. I, I definitely avoided the, the downtown area. Uh, but there was a fair amount of people who did, you know, line the highways, line the uh, Colonel by uh, to see to see the uh, limos go past uh, and to try to get a, an eye on things. And 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 Otto came off very nicely. They 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 did it at the the art museum and the the pictures were beautiful. And it was a beautiful day in Ottawa yesterday. So so we really uh, did a nice job of of showing Ottawa's best at uh, both to the United States and to the world. Uh, Talk about the speech itself, and uh, obviously that was a must-see ticket in Ottawa. Um, talk about, uh, obviously, the friendship, but then some have commented about his uh, points of raising uh, concerns in around NATO and, of course, contributing your fair share. Sure. Uh, this is, the timing of this is interesting because next week uh, both Trudeau and Obama are going to Warsaw, uh, for the next NATO summit, where they're going to announce whatever the decisions that have been made, and today's newspapers are full of a story of about that Canada has finally decided, and will announce later today that it will be deploying something on the order of 500 soldiers to Latvia as part of the effort to have NATO forces in the Baltics and in Poland, so that way Russia isn't tempted to do anything uh, dangerous. Hmm. Um, and so when Obama says, we need more Canada, you can read into many things. You can say, we need Canada to spend more. Um, but I think it was probably more in the light of, we need Canada to do more or to do what we want it to do. And Canada is, by leading in this effort, filling in a big hole, because it was very hard to get that fourth country lined up, the fourth uh, contribution lined up because they went, NATO and the U.S. went first to Norway and Denmark to see if they can contribute a joint battalion, and they declined. And when they were looking around at the rest of Europe, uh, they couldn't really find any takers. And so Canada was sort of Plan B and might have been Plan C and Plan D, and uh, Canada took a while to make a decision. And so I'm pretty sure that Obama had that line in the speech knowing what was going to be announced today, and so that way he can ask something that was answerable as opposed to trying to make Canada uh, embarrassed for not being able to step up. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that it wasn't an effort really to, to put Canada in a difficult position, but more to give mm-hmm. the Prime Minister a chance to, to say, we are stepping up. And that's obviously going to be the announcement later today, is 
we've been called to act and we are going to act. Uh, when you have a relationship between the two the way that these do too, uh, that these two do, uh, is it hard to accept when finally tough decisions have to be made? Um, I, th- I think it makes it easier because then when there, are, there is a tough decision and somebody has to say no, yeah. they're only reading into it the competing interests as opposed to any personality. So when Harper and Obama had to make tough decisions vis-a-vis each other, there was so much baggage. And so uh, that could build resentment, where I think that if Trudeau has to say no to Obama, for instance, yes, we'll send troops to Latvia, but we're not going to spend 2% of our GDP because we're not doubling our military budget anytime too soon. I think Obama can understand that and appreciate it going, you know, understanding that, that, that they see eye to eye on things and it's just, you know, countries have, have constraints. They have limitations, and there's not everything they can do to, to satisfy the other. That's the way international relations is. And, and so the, the, the good relationship probably smooths that rather than, rather than creates false expectations. How do you feel if you're the president of Mexico attending this summit and knowing that, boy, things could be drastically different in the next six months? Well, he certainly voiced uh, his concerns about a Trump administration. Um, I think he has to invest in the now, and I think partly uh, Mexico investing in, in a Canadian relationship is one way to offset whatever difficulties were, would come with a Trump presidency. Obviously, everybody's looking now at the election and, and, and betting that, that, that Hillary Clinton's going to win. So I don't think he's that worried, but obviously, he's, as a leader, he's got to, he's got to anticipate the worst-case scenario, and, and there's probably no more worst-case scenario for Mexico or for most folks uh, than a Trump uh, administration. I can't let you go without asking you about your thoughts about the whole UK and EU situation, and specifically, uh, I think what we're starting to notice now was the silence from the Leave campaign after this result came down. Do you think they had a plan? Oh, they didn't have a plan. They absolutely didn't have a plan. There's a there's an old saying that hope is not a plan. Mm. Uh, fear is not a plan either. Uh, I, I I don't think these guys thought they were going to win, uh, and uh, they didn't really have any kind of uh, plan for for figuring out what to do next. Um, we still don't know what's going to happen, but their leadership of the Leave campaign and also leadership of of, of the Remain campaign, the, none of the parties in in, in Britain are c- covering themselves in glory right now. They all seem to have uh, choosing to be fairly weak in, in, in this crisis. Surprised that Boris Johnson has stepped away, considering his his role in the Brexit campaign? It's a little surprising, um, but I, I've got to say that that's, it, it kind of reminds me of the old saw about the dog, is what happens when the dog catches the car it's been chasing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, how does this affect the rest of the world? Uh, well, it's going to affect the rest of the world economically because uh, everybody in the world's economy, you know, is, uh, doesn't not, not, does not like uncertainty, and so we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if Britain's actually going to exit under what what circumstances. It certainly caused the pound to to fall. So anybody who had m- any investments denominated in pounds is, in tr- you know, paying the price. Um, uncertainty can breed uh, deferred decisions, so that could lead to recessions around the world, and that would be a problem. Uh, but we have seen a lot of the markets bounce back uh, significantly. Uh, so the real question is, what, how is Europe going to handle this? What, what are they going to do to try to soften the blow within Europe? Because that's going to have more ramifications for around the world than just what happens in Britain. How do you think the U.K. will uh, fend through all of this? I think the U.K. is going to be paying a heavy price in the medium term for making 
a lousy decision. Uh, I say the, as I said, the pound has dropped in value, which means people have, you know, 10, 20 percent less money than they did a week ago. Uh, I've already heard from academic friends of mine who are being told that they're lousy partners. They're not going to be partners in larger uh, research projects because they just don't know whether they can, you know, whether European institutions can share their grant money with with British uh, mm-hmm. partners anymore. Um, what are you seeing European film companies worried about operating in Britain? So I think that the the Brit whether the rest of the world goes into recession or not, I don't know. But it's pretty clear that that the Brits are going to go into a recession. Your thoughts on them even holding this referendum? I think that that Cameron made a poor choice. He he chose to gamble to save his own skin and his own party at the risk of his country's national unity and. He's, you know, he's going to go down in history as, as, as causing this to happen. I think it was a, a you, you don't gamble uh, in, in, uh, in such a big way on, on national unity uh, just because you want to stay in power a little bit longer. Uh, as a scholar, I understand it. I wrote a book called For Kinder Country, where it basically assumes that politicians will always opt for the short-term benefits, even if it endangers their country in the long term. So I understand it, but it was clearly a failure in leadership, and, and everybody's failing to lead in Britain this week. Uh, some say referendums are true democracy. Do you think that's the case? Well, I have to admit that I'm an American and uh, I'm now a Canadian as well, but uh, I remember reading in the Federalist Papers when I was in college and about the passions of the masses uh, and the worry about mob rule. Direct democracy has real problems uh, because if it's a vote like this, 52 to 48%, a lot of people are just filing protest votes. Is that, is that something to base long-term social and political change on? Um, I think uh, I also lived in California for years where a lot of decisions are made by referenda. And at least in that case, the, go- the government of California would hand out a booklet for every election explaining the, 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 the things that were up for grabs and who was on which side, and each advocate uh, for each proposition would be able to make their case. I don't think the Brits got any kind of explanation about what this thing was going to mean, and uh, I don't think ignorance breeds bliss. Hmm. Stephen Sedman's been with us, Patterson Chair in International Affairs, Norman Patterson School of International Affairs, Carleton University. Stephen, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. My pleasure, Scott.